you basically want to make sure that the way the therapist is treating you isn't to validate their own agenda, prove their own beliefs correct, or validate their own particular school of thought, or even in extreme cases, validate their own political or spiritual opinions or opinions on morality. You just want to get the sense that they're interested in you and improving your life by your metrics, not by theirs necessarily. Welcome back to the Thinking Mind podcast. Today, I want to have a bit of a discussion about how psychotherapy works. And this is going to be kind of a general discussion, so covering different types of therapy. As most people know, therapy comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. And as a result, there can be a lot of confusion, both if you're someone who potentially wants to undergo therapy or if it's a career that you think you might be interested in seeing all the different kinds of therapy that exists can be quite daunting and it can be quite like an overwhelming thing to try and sort out. So today I want to have like a really general discussion about how I think therapy works and what are the kind of main objectives of any therapy regardless of modality. So you can have kind of a basic framework for how to think about it. I think first it's probably important to define what constitutes success in therapy and in so doing kind of stripping away a lot of the mystique that that can surround it. Broadly speaking, success in psychotherapy falls under one of two categories. So I think the first category is increasing self-awareness and self-understanding to a large degree people are quite mysterious to themselves unless they make a conscious attempt to do some real introspective work. And that work can take many forms besides therapy. But the point is that often we behave in ways that we can't really explain. Sometimes we come up with rationalizations after the fact, but often there are root causes, there are root problems driving us that we're not aware of, that we're unconscious of. This is, of course, what was posited by Freud in the beginning of the 20th century. And at the time, that was taken to be quite a radical idea. But that seems to be borne out um, by both what we've discovered by the brain and, and other major clinicians in psychology. So that's the first category, increasing self-awareness and self-understanding. And then the second category of success or, or progress is using that self-awareness to make a, a change in, in one's life that results in either a subjective or objective improvement in one's quality of life. So by, you know, objective improvements, I might be referring to things like stopping smoking or losing weight or repairing a particular relationship. And by a subjective improvement, I mean improvement in one's sort of subjective sense of well-being, a decrease in anxiety, uh, improvements in mood, things that aren't as prone to objective measurement, but yet still lend themselves to uh, a very improved uh, experience of life. These sort of categories of success can apply both to people who feel reasonably content with their lives, but who want to engage with therapy kind of proactively, uh, 
to try and make uh, improvements or to people who feel like there are some fundamental problems they want to address. Whichever situation you happen to be in, both of those categories I mentioned, increasing your self-awareness and using that awareness to change your life can apply. So now that we know what our objectives are, what we're aiming for, we can move into a discussion about what might be the successful conditions for therapy. And I think the most helpful way to think about this would be to divide it into conditions for the patient and conditions for the therapist. So thinking a little bit about what makes a good patient, how how should someone approach their psychotherapy? As I mentioned before, I think it would be very helpful to accept the idea that to a large degree you are very mysterious to yourself and there should be a genuine enthusiasm and curiosity for finding out more about yourself, treating yourself almost as if you were a stranger that you've just met and that you're going to learn more about. You should have an earnest desire to learn about even the darker aspects of your nature and in general Therapy will, of course, uncover these darker or what are conventionally thought of as more negative things about oneself or often things that are just embarrassing or or difficult to admit. The truth is that in therapy, one often aims for a kind of personality integration. So what that means is that the parts of ourselves that are repressed, that we like to keep at the back of our mind or, or push off to one side, the more we do that, the more we repress those aspects to, of ourselves, the more they tend to control our behavior without realizing. And so the process of integration is you know, acknowledging, facing those darker aspects of ourselves directly. Carl Jung called that you know, integrating the shadow. Uh, in so doing, not only do you get relief from the fact that you're no longer using a lot of energy to push a lot of aspects to oneself to the side, but you also gain the benefits of those darker aspects because even though they can be quite negative, uh, aggressive, etc., um, they actually carry a lot of energy. You know, anger, uh, resentment, uh, jealousy. Even though these are thought of conventionally as quite negative things, they are motivational states which, if if integrated properly can actually help us move towards our goals more effectively. Um, So you really want to face these aspects of yourself. And taking this idea further, it's really important that you don't think of therapy as something that's being done to you by the therapist. You're not passive in this process. It's not like if you're undergoing surgery and you're put under an anesthetic and the surgeon is just there to operate on you. You're very much the 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 more active participant of this process and the therapist's job really is just to to facilitate and to guide and to uh, make sure that it's safe to to bring his expertise to the process Uh, but but fundamentally you're the main participant you're the driver of of any good therapy and the other thing worth noting is that this process of change will be difficult Uh, change especially voluntary change is never going to be easy especially if it's something that's worth pursuing and so in the process of undergoing your psychotherapy it's likely that quite difficult emotions are going to come up and 
it's important just to be ready that that's going to be a factor. And as you change, uh, it's also likely that you're going to achieve different dynamics with people in your life. And sometimes that's clearly going to be for the better. For example, if you begin to assert yourself more, you might find that people start to respect you more and take you more seriously. And of course, that's all for the good. But you might find, for example, again, if you begin to assert yourself more, people that were previously taking advantage of you and crossing your boundaries, you might uh, start to find out uh, that those people actually got quite upset by this change in dynamic. And so I think you can use this process of change actually as a very good opportunity to identify who really is on your side and who has your back and who doesn't, who wants the best for you and who actually was quite happy for you to remain in the same position that you were in. And so it's quite common for people to start this process of change, you know, whether it's through therapy or, or by other means, and actually to end certain relationships or, or friendships because they actually get to a point where the dynamic changes so much that the person that they're relating to um, feels either undermined or, or threatened. And generally people that don't mostly want the best for you, those aren't necessarily people that, that you're going to want in your life anyway. Okay, so now moving on a bit, what might you think about conditions for a successful therapist? So what would make a good therapist? And again, this would be useful both if you're a patient seeking therapy or if you're thinking about becoming a psychotherapist yourself. Um, firstly, and probably the most pragmatic point is you probably want to see that your therapist is registered with some kind of psychotherapy accreditation bodies there are quite a few, for example, in the UK alone, there, there are a number of them. But you just want to get a sense of the kind of training that they have and that they've gone through some kind of uh, rigorous program. And so then you're going to probably see a few different therapists. And obviously, it's quite an individual thing. You want to get a sense that you have good chemistry with your therapist. And then other qualities to look for, you want to get the sense that they are quite non-judgmental and that they're basically interested in your well-being. And this sounds obvious, but what can happen a lot of times is therapists can give you the sense that you're interested in your well-being, but like anybody, they're prone to their own biases and their own issues, which of course is why, why it's so important for therapists to under usually undergo their own process of psychotherapy. You basically want to make sure that the way the therapist is treating you isn't too validate their own agenda, prove their own beliefs correct, or validate their own particular school of thought, or even in extreme cases, validate their own political or spiritual opinions or opinions on morality. You just want to get the sense that they're interested in you and improving your life by your metrics, not by theirs necessarily. Um, the caveat to this is, this doesn't mean your therapist isn't going to challenge you. In fact, a good therapist will challenge you and will regularly take you out of your comfort zone. So really, good psychotherapy consists of a kind of dual action where, on the one hand, it's quite nurturing, compassionate, supportive. But on the other hand, it's, again, challenging, encouraging, and provoking you to get out of your comfort zone. And it's really 
it's really hard to strike. It's it's all about finding what's the balance between between those two forces fundamentally. The exact balance obviously will depend on your personality, the specific problem that you're presenting, but also the therapist's personality, their own kind of school of thought, and of course so many other variables. So basically your therapy should feel positive and safe while at the same time being challenging. And in psychology, this is referred to as the zone of proximal development, that sweet spot between difficulty and safety. It's when something is challenging enough to promote growth and adaptation, but not so challenging that one becomes overwhelmed by it. So in this clip, we haven't exactly looked at the specifics of the different modalities, and I'll, I'll probably do a, a separate audio essay about that, so the different types of psychotherapy like, for example, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychodynamic therapy or psychoanalysis, humanistic therapy, trauma-focused therapy. There are, there are many kinds. But I want to wrap up just by discussing a little bit about how what we talked about in this clip will apply to the real world when you're actually considering either what kind of therapy that you want to seek for yourself as a patient or what kind of therapy you might be interested in as a therapist. So earlier we talked about how essentially the two domains you want to think about are firstly improving self-awareness and secondly translating that improved self-awareness into change. So what you find is different therapies, different kinds of therapy will emphasize one domain more than the other or try and strike a balance between the two. So for example, with psychoanalysis, that leans very heavily on improving self-awareness and exploration of the unconscious, but it doesn't lean as heavily on behavioral change, whereas CBT does, to a large degree, think about self-awareness, but more in the present and not so much in the past. And then very quickly in CBT, you think about how you can enact behavioral changes to actually change uh, your experience of life to, to one degree or another. So a question worth asking yourself, both if you're a patient or a potential therapist, is do you want to engage with a therapy that is more about improving your self-awareness? Or do you want something that more focuses on how you can make direct changes to your life? Or do you want something that will attempt to make a balance between the two, which is probably where most people go for and where most therapies uh, aim to be. So I hope this gave you just a very general sense of how to think about therapy, almost regardless of what modality it is. And as I said, in the future, I'll probably do a more in-depth audio essay on different types of therapy to give you a more high-resolution idea of how those work. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love it if you share it with a friend or you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. If you fancy it, you can even buy us a coffee to support the team and the links for that will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the Thinking Mind Podcast. 